Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. So tonight I'm going to speak a message uh, and it's uh, cross, there we go, cross the line, come up there, cross the line. Because how many of us would understand that eventually we got to do something, right? Like this is not just all good ideas. Eventually, this is building up to doing something. So I'm going to pray, and then we are going to have a great night. Father, thank you so much for every single person that is sitting in a seat right now. God, however we came to be here, I know that you want us to be in this seat listening to these words. Father, I pray that we would be open to everything that you want to say to us, God. I pray, Father, that tonight we would understand that you are wanting us to cross over from where we've been to where you want to take us. I thank you, God, that every single person that sits in these seats, they have a future and a hope in you. And Father, tonight I pray that as we lean into your word, that we would get an insight, a vision, a picture, a dream of where you're wanting to take us. God, tonight I believe that you are going to start something that's going to continue to outwork itself in their lives for the rest of this year. And Father, I thank you for the great opportunity to speak your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Awesome. I am telling you right now, God is going to do something tonight. He is going to do something. Do you know how I know that? Because I asked him to. Uh, I prayed about it. I prayed about it. I said, God, tonight you've got to touch people's lives. I have what's called anticipation anticipation is where you begin to expect something. We might just call that faith. Hey? It's when we expect God to move. It's when we expect God to do something. I am anticipating a move of God. But you know, with anticipation, you've got to remember that you can't see it yet. That's why you're anticipating. You're getting ready for something that you can't see. How many of you are getting ready for God to do something in your life that right now, if you were to look in your life, if you were to look in your finances, if you were to look in your relationships, if you were to look in your, in your school grades, if you were to look at your uni course, right now, you have not seen what God is wanting to do with your life yet. But I promise you this, anticipation expects the unseen. We are people that walk by, what do we walk by? And not by We walk by faith and we don't walk by sight. That's the kind of people that we are. I remember in high school, when I was in high school, uh, I was an average student. There is a really good reason for that. It's that I did not try. I, I did not try. I did not care. I had no picture of where I wanted to go with my life. In fact, I remember one time that things were not going so well for me that I had to have a meeting with the principal of my school. And so my parents got called to the school. And that particular day, it was a day like today, it was a hot day. And at the beginning in assembly, they said to us, right, no one is to have water fights today. You know, so don't even think about it. Well, that day we had the best water fight ever. And I got completely soaked, and I'm not even making this up, I mean completely soaked at lunchtime, and our meeting with the principal and my parents was immediately after lunch, and so not only was I late, 
But I remember when I walked in, and I'm not making this up, you could hear the squelching of my shoes because they were soaked to the core. And I walked in, and it was almost as if they all expected it. And they looked at me, and they're like, oh my gosh. You know, and my dad, he kind of was like, he, was, you know, he had a smile on his face. And I thought, I think I'm going to get away with this. You know, I didn't care because I had no picture of my victory. I didn't know what my, my, where my life was headed. I didn't know what I was going to do. You need to get a picture of your victory. You need to get a picture of what God is wanting to do with your life. Because when you start to see what God wants to do with your life, you begin to pray different kind of prayers. Because you see where God is wanting to send you. You see where God is wanting to take you. I wonder what kind of prayers you're praying right now. I wonder what kind of prayers you're praying when you go home tonight. What are the things that you ask God for? You know, so often I feel like we ask God for things that we've already seen, don't we? We thank Him for things that are already there. I'm going to go ahead, and if you can just understand what I'm trying to say to you tonight, they're faithless prayers. You don't require faith for something that already exists. You don't require faith for something that's already in front of you. They are faithless prayers. And when you pray a faithless prayer, is it because you, I mean, why is you, why are you doing that? Are you trying to are you trying to save God his reputation by not asking him for too much? You know, just in case he can't come through with the goods. Are you not asking him for too much to save yourself the disappointment? I'm not going to pray for healing because I've already asked for this thing several times and I haven't seen that shift in my life yet. So I'm not going to pray for that because I just can't take the disappointment anymore. I'm not asking God for the unseen. I'm not asking God for the miraculous. I'm not asking God for the impossible. I'll just settle for where I am. Maybe one of the reasons you pray faithless prayers is because you're trying to save your own reputation. You know, when you pray, aren't things supposed to happen? When you pray, aren't you a Christian? And isn't God supposed to just move in your life? And so maybe to save yourself the embarrassment, and come on, let's face it, let's protect God in this too. Let's protect Him, come on. Maybe we just don't pray the kind of prayers that are too big that we think He can't answer. But that's not what I'm talking about tonight. That's not the kind of prayers that I want you to begin praying tonight. I'm talking about faith filled prayers when you begin to ask God for the things that you have never seen for the things in your mind right now that look impossible you think it would be such a struggle for this thing to happen it's impossible I'm talking about going to the God of the universe for something that would require an act of God because the event would be so miraculous. It would be impossible for anyone to know that it wasn't God. Everyone would have to say that is outrageous. 
That is the kind of faith-filled prayers I'm talking about tonight. And by the end of tonight, you are going to have in your mind the most outrageous, impossible, unimaginable prayer. You're going to have the most impossible, unimaginable prayer. We're going to pray that tonight. Crossing over isn't an event. It's a beginning. It's not one moment in time. We're not getting to the end of the series and that's it. You haven't come to the end of camp and that's it. What you're crossing over into is the beginning of a new season where fresh things are awaiting you in the promised place that God has for you. Are you with me? Do you know the reason why people quit their dreams early? Do you know why the, the number one reason, I voted by Google, the number one reason why people quit early is because they realize that pursuing the thing that God has for them, pursuing their dreams are more difficult than they imagined. It's not as easy as they thought. You've got to know something. God blesses the work of your hands. So, so, so you can quit and you can stop short of the promise. You can end that journey right now, but you got to know God blesses the work of your hands. In fact, I'm yet to even see a time in scripture where God just blessed an idea completely regardless of whether the person got involved in what they were asking for or not. God blesses what you do. He blesses the work of your hands and you need to know something tonight. God wants your victory. Now I just say that, but some of you need to receive that. God wants your victory because every time you think to yourself, oh, God has done this to me. He, he, he's left me here. He's, he's, he's sort of against me. You have stepped away from the understanding that God wants your victory. What you need in your heart tonight is a settled assurance about what God wants to do with your life. It's not up for debate after tonight. Not after tonight. Tonight, you can go home and know that God wants your victory. And He is more committed to your crossing over than you even are. How many times do you think you needed to convince Him of the thing that He planted in your heart in the first place? It's like sometimes we tell Him, hey, you know what's a really good idea? He's like, I know, I put it there. I know, I planted that seed in your heart. That's your ministry calling. That's what I've gifted you for. That's what I've got. Don't try to convince God of the thing that he already wants you to do. You know, my kids, they, they, um, both of them, uh, Judah and Isaac, the, old, the older two, uh, they've both gone bowling. And it's funny, they had the same reaction when they came uh, after bowling. And uh, my son went bowling yesterday. We got in the car this morning on the way to church. And he said, he said, Dad, I am so good at bowling. I said, are you? Now you've got to understand something about my son. He is five years old and still fits into size one pants. He's skinny, all right? Like he's skinny. And I'm thinking, son, how do you even pick up the ball? Like 
you know, you're like, you just don't have the, the muscles to do that, you know? So he's, he's like, Dad, I'm so good at bowling. I said, really? He said, yeah, I won. I don't know anything about bowling, but I said, did you get any strikes? He said, I sure did, Dad, and I beat everyone else. I'm like, you got a strike? He's like, yeah. I said, that is incredible. That's amazing. I'm looking at Sarah and I'm like, if this kid can get a strike, we should start making an investment into him early. I mean, he, we're, we're sitting on a gold mine right here. We, we should leverage this. Let's encourage this gift in his life, you know? And then my wife, she looks at me, Sarah, and she says to me, uh, yeah, you know, they had the bumper bowling. They had the, the little things that you put on the side so you can't get a gutter ball. And then someone puts the ball on the top of the ramp and he pushes it off. And so when he says, I got a strike, yeah, he got a strike because he was bumper bowling and pushing a ball down a ramp. Now, I didn't have the heart to tell him that all those things are there to help him. But if you were just cluing on to what I'm saying right now, I mean, you can't miss. You can't mess it up. I tell you what, I reckon God sets people up for bumper bowling all the time. He sets people up for bumper bowling all the time. He sets it up so that you can't miss. In fact, if you remember the story of Jericho, when Joshua crossed into the promised land, this is the, this is the bumper bowling of, of, of uh, taking a city, you know, uh, destroying a city. This is the bumper bowling version. All right, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk around the city six times. I can do that. Remember, the number six represents the number of men. But then you're going to walk around on the seventh time and give a shout of praise. And when you walk around on on the seventh time, when you go around that, you're going to give a shout of praise. The bricks are going to fall out. I mean, they are set up so that they can't fail. This is the bumper bowling version of taking over a city. It is set up and designed so that they can't fail. And I reckon God all over the place is setting people up to win. And you look at the situation and you think it's difficult and you think it's hard, but he's setting you up to win. Do you know why? Do you know why he gives crazy strategies and unlikely situations? It's because the less likely your story, the more likely he gets the glory. The less likely your story, the more likely he gets the glory. You know, God had a plan for his fame to go out from every victory that he had. In fact, God wasn't interested in just Israel knowing how powerful he was. He actually wanted everyone in the world, the known world, he wanted all of them, every city, every tribe, every nation, and every king to know that he is the God of gods, the King of kings. He is almighty God with unlimited power, dominion, authority, and ability. He wanted everyone to know it. And I tell you something they knew. Do you remember the story about how they had He sent the plagues to Egypt so that they would free Israel after slavery for 400 years. Do you ever read the the stories of the plagues and think, where did he come up with this weird stuff? Like, this is a weird plague. Why would you even, what's a gnat anyway? You know, like, you know, the thing is, is that God knew exactly what he was doing. You know that the Egyptians, they worshipped the River Nile. 
So he turns the river Nile to blood. You know, the Egyptians, they worshipped the sun. So he brought darkness for three days. And the Egyptians, they worshipped Pharaoh as God. And God showed them that he could take the life of anyone because Pharaoh's oldest son, his firstborn son, died. And the point was the same through and through. You are worshipping false gods. Don't you understand that I'm the God of gods? I'm the King of kings. I'm the Lord of lords. You should be worshiping me. He set up all those things, those plagues. They had a purpose. They were designed. They had an intention. Now go with me for a minute because you got to think about how God is starting to play out in the story of your life. And what if all the miraculous things that God wanted to do in your life were actually not about you? But what about if He wanted to do the most outrageous, impossible, unimaginable things to actually bring fame to His own name? God wants to do something with you and through you so that He can get the glory. Did you know that when kingdoms would go out to battle, they would take their false gods into battle? They would have like little icons, like little you know, false gods. And when two cities and kingdoms are getting ready to face each other and to fight each other, each one would bring their gods. And it would just be kind of like a written rule. Whoever's got the most powerful god would be the person that walks away with the win because their god was one that fought for them. So they would come out and have their gods and do everything that they do. And Israel had its own laws around how to approach a battle. Deuteronomy chapter 20 verses 2 to 8 says, And when you draw near to battle, the priest shall come forward and speak to the people and shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are drawing near for battle against your enemies. Let not your heart be faint. Do not fear or panic or be in dread of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the what? To give you what? To give you the victory. Then the officers shall speak to the people saying, and this is just crazy. Is there... Any man who has built a new house and has not dedicated it, let him go back to his house lest he die in battle and another man dedicate it. Okay? And is there any man who has planted a vineyard and has not had a grape, enjoyed its fruit? Let him go back to his house lest he die in battle and another man enjoy its fruit. And is there any man who has betrothed a wife and has not taken her? Let him go back to his house, lest he die in battle, and another man take her. And by the way, uh, the officers shall speak further to the people and say, look, is there any man who's just really freaking out right now? Is there anyone that's like panic-stricken about the battle that we're going into? Who needs to go back and change their pants like right now, You're just freaking out. You're fearful and you're faint-hearted. Well, hey, let's get that guy to go back to his house too, lest he make the heart of his fellows melt like his own. In other words, he's essentially saying, if there is any conceivable reason that you might need to go home, you can do it. Do you know why? Because we don't need everyone. 
And the reason we don't need everyone is because the Lord is about to fight this battle for us. And instead of panicking and saying, guys, we need everyone. We need every warrior, everyone that can carry a spear and everyone that can carry a sword. Make sure you do that because we got this big battle coming up. It's like, no, 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 no. Hey, you know what? If you don't want to be here, just go home. We don't need you anyway. That's the kind of attitude that Israel had when it came to facing the giants in the land that they were going into because they realized something, that God was about to fight their battles for them. And heck, they just didn't need everyone. Israel's victory was about God being on display. It wasn't about them. It wasn't even about their victory. It was about talking about how incredible. It was a talking point for all the nations and all the cities about how incredible and how powerful and how almighty God is. And the more impossible, the greater the platform. And when I hear something like that, you can kind of almost think that God has written you a blank check. You're like, God of the impossible, bring it on. Let me just start to author my own dreams right now. Let, let me just write out every victory that I want, everything that I want to do. I'm getting filled with all kinds of ambition and desire. I want to be a millionaire, whatever it is, right? And you can start to think that that's how it works, but that's not how it works. Because crossing over isn't about endless victories, you know, just anywhere. Endless victories just, you know, just everywhere, you know. And you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car, and you get... Hey, everyone's getting cars. Hey, everyone's getting victories. Whatever you want, God's got it. That's not... He's not Oprah. That's not what this is all about. In fact, let me read a passage of Scripture to you that I would say to you is unimaginably important for this series, unimaginably important for where you're about to cross over to. In Numbers chapter 34 and verse 2, he begins to outline the boundaries of the promised land. And he says, beginning in verse 3, Your south side shall be from the wilderness of Zin, alongside Edom, and your southern border shall run from the end of the salt sea on the east. And your, and your border shall turn south of the ascent of Akrabib and cross to Zin, and its limits shall be of Kadesh Barnea, and it shall go from Hazar Adar and pass along to Asmon. This is so deep for you right now. And the border shall turn from Asmon to the brook of Egypt, and it shall be, and its limits shall be at the sea. For the western border, you shall have the great sea and its coasts. This shall be your western border. Now the northern border. He says, from the great sea, you shall draw a line from Mount Hor. From Mount Hor, you shall draw a line to Lebo Hamath, and the limit of the border shall be at Zadad. Then the border shall extend to Ziphron, and its limit shall be at Hazar Enan, and this shall be your northern border. Verse 10, it says, You shall draw a line for your eastern border from Hazar Enan to Shepham. And the border shall go down from Shepham to Ribla on the east side of Ain, and the border shall go down and reach the shoulder of the Sea of Chinnereth on its east. And the border shall go down to the Jordan, and its limit shall be at the Salt Sea, and this shall be your land as defined by its borders all around. Now, I can imagine why this means nothing to you and why you might, in fact, skip over this passage, particularly when it mentions cities that you don't know how to say. <laughs> I'm not sure I got them right either. It doesn't matter. And 
you can kind of skip over this, but you need to understand that what I just read to you is unimaginably important for Israel. Because what God was doing is he was beginning to define their boundaries. He was defining the boundaries of their territory and thus defining the boundaries of their victory. A number of years ago, I worked at a ski resort and on the very highest point of the mountain, uh, there was... Uh, when, you, when you went right up to the top, there was over, just over the other side, there was an area that you couldn't ski in. And so we'd have to put up big signs and uh, fences and barriers. And, and the sign would say something to the effect of like, don't ski over here. There is a great risk of avalanche. And essentially what they were saying is, if you cross over this border, we cannot guarantee your safety. Something bad may happen to you on the other side of this border but we can guarantee your safety on this side. So don't cross over the border and think you're safe over there. You're safe within the borders and the boundaries that the ski resort had defined for you. And you got to understand something about the victories that God wants you to have in your life. He often defines the borders and the boundaries. I wonder if you know what is the boundary that God has drawn for you and where you know that you can get success and where you can get victory. I mean, he did tell Israel that wherever the sole of your foot goes, that's the land and the territory that you'll have, right? He says you can have this place, but it was still within the borders and the boundaries that God had defined for them. You've got to know where God has called you to. In other words, please don't go off the reservation and start to fill in that blank check that you think God has written for you and get crazy ideas. Don't go off the reservation when God has drawn some boundaries for you. In other words, if you're starting to pursue some things that are not biblical, if you're starting to pursue some things in your life that that are not scriptural, don't expect to get victory in that place. It's beyond the territory that God has given you. It's beyond the place that God has assigned to you. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, we don't boast beyond limits, but with regard to our area of influence, I wonder tonight if you know the area of influence that God has allotted to you, because I can guarantee you that in that place you'll have victory. But outside of that, I'm not so sure. This is one of the best reasons that you should read your Bible. Because when you do, you flick over and you see promise after promise after promise after promise after promise. When you start to read the Bible and you see what God wants to do in your life and you see what God has given to you and you see what you're entitled to as a Christian, you start to see some promises. You know that's your area of influence. You know that's what God wants for your life. You know where you can start to get some victory from. So you need to start to understand the territories and the boundaries that God has for you. And if there was a point, and trust me, it's coming, there is. If there was a series point for this, it would for the whole Crossing Over series, it would be this. Where God sends you, He defends you. Do you understand that? Where God sends you, He defends you because He sent you there. So He's prepared you and He's prepared to do everything to give you victory in the place that He has sent you. Just make sure He sent you. Turn to the person next to you and say this, where God sends you, 
He defends you. Now turn to your second choice and say, where God sends me, He defends me. I think you got it. Where God sends you, He is defending you. And I'll tell you something right now. Joshua, Joshua understood this point so well, which led to the most insane, outrageous, ridiculous, impossible, unimaginable prayer that you will ever hear about or ever see in the Bible. This one that I'm about to tell you all about. Now, let me give you the backdrop for this prayer so you understand what's going on here. As Israel was crossing over into the promised land, they were just taking city after city. They had destroyed Jericho. They had just destroyed a city called Ai. And now they are on their way into the promised land. And there was a city, a great city, larger, with more mighty men than Ai, who, a city called Gibeon. And they understood what Israel were capable of. Why? Because God's frame had spread throughout the whole land. Crossing of the Red Sea, Pillar of Fire, Manna, Jericho, Ai. They heard about these great victories, impossible things made possible by a God of, of uh, immense capabilities that they had never understood or seen before. And so Gibeon, understanding how powerful their, Israel's God was, they said, hey, I, I got a really good idea. Here's what, okay, Here's what we're going to do, right? We're going to dress in rags. Yeah. Everyone get dirty and put dirt on your face. And then we're going to go to Israel and we're going to tell them that we come from a far away city. And we are far from home and we are poor and we are needy. And if you will look after us, we'll sign a covenant with you and we will be your servants, but you've got to protect us. And Israel, not really thinking all of that through, they said, okay, all right, that seems good to us. So they signed a covenant that they would become, that Gibeon would become their servants, but that they would also protect them should anything ever happen. After that, straight after that, they discovered that Gibeon was the city around the corner. And they said to them, why did you deceive us? And they're like, well, now we have a covenant with you and you're going to protect us and not destroy us. Pretty smart move. Meanwhile, the five kingdoms, five, five kingdoms of the Amorites had heard about this and they decided that they were going to take Gibeon. So five kings get together, five and they say, we're going to encamp against them. We're going to take this city. So when Gibeon realized that this is going to happen, they send word to Joshua in Israel. And they say, well, the unimaginable has happened. And now people have encamped against us. And uh, <clears throat> may I remind you of the covenant that you signed? And what we need you to do is to come right up to us. And we need you to protect us from these people. And this is the situation that unfolds. It says, so Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them for I have given them into your hands. So you already know the outcome. That's handy when you're going into battle. It says, not a man of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came upon them suddenly having marched up 
all night from Gilgal. Now, I'm not a strategic war expert, um, but making your army very tired by marching all night doesn't seem like good strategy, but who cares when God fights for you? And the Lord threw them into a panic, the five kings, the five kingdoms of the Amorites, threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon and chased them by the way of the ascent of Beth Horon and struck them as far as Azekah and Makedah, and they fled before Israel. While they were going, they went down the ascent of Beth Horon, and the Lord threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. Now, That's pretty cool, right? All right. The more, there were more people who died because of the hailstones than the sons of Israel killed with the sword. And at that, at that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said, in the sight of all Israel... In other words, here's somebody who is not worried about his reputation or God not being able to come through because he prayed it in front of everyone. Son, stand still at Gibeon and moon in the valley of Agilon. And here is the crazy part. And the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. And it says that there has never been a day before this, nor another day like this. It was the most unique day that had ever happened in the history of ever, because Joshua decided to pray the impossible. Let me teach you a very important point right now. Prayer precedes victory. Prayer precedes victory. You know what I think? You're going to think I'm crazy. You might be right. I don't know. But I think that the world will be transformed by the grandmas praying in prayer closets. Because I am a person who believes that prayer changes things. Prayer changes situations. Prayer changes circumstances. Prayer changes things. And there are so many praise, uh, prayers that are being prayed by people all over the world. The intercessors of the world are changing the world and we'll never know because there is no global platform to point to, no organized group of people that we can point to and say it was them, but it was a prayer here and it was a prayer there because some people decided to take God at His word and believed the promises that he put in there and they came to a place where they said prayer precedes victory and they prayed. And you know, sometimes this is what people do. They say, well, I guess we could pray. Yeah. I mean, heck, we've tried everything else, right? And, uh, yeah, there's always prayer. Hey, tell you what, let's give it a crack, you know? Hey, let, let, let's have a shot at this prayer thing. We've done everything that we could do, but, you know, there's always prayer. I don't reckon Joshua saw it that way. I don't think Joshua saw prayer as the last resort. 
I think he saw it at his, as his first option. He was like, no, 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 no. We can start to pray. He says, son, stand still. He's praying for something that is so outrageous and he's never seen it before. But hey, guess what? Just because you've never seen it before doesn't mean that you can't ask for it. Just because something appears to be impossible to you right now in your life doesn't mean that God won't give it to you. You don't have to have it in your history to believe that God is able to give it to you. It helps, but it doesn't need to be there. Have you thought about the implications of his prayer? Uh, Let me just go with me for one minute. When Joshua said, son, stand still, did that mean that the earth ceased to rotate? The sun stopped in the middle of the sky for a whole day. Did the earth stop its rotation? And then I thought, if the earth stopped its rotation, I wonder if it stopped its orbit around the sun. And then I thought, if planet earth stopped, I wonder if all the other planets stopped too. And if God stopped our solar system, did God stop the universe because a man of faith said three words and leveraged the power of heaven into an impossible situation? He said, sun stands still and the universe stops so that he can have victory in the area that God had given to. Listen, you got to get this. You got to understand this. God's more committed to your victory than you understand. Please get a conviction about it. He stopped the universe so that Israel could have victory over theirs. Three words, unimaginable. I think to myself, he's never seen anything like this before. Where does Joshua get the kind of faith that he would ask for the sun to stand still? Where where do you get that kind of faith? But I'll tell you something about Joshua. He had an edge. Joshua had an edge. Do you know what his edge was? None of you know what I'm going to say next. He had an edge. It was called a map. His edge was a map because he knew the territory that had been allotted to him. He knew the boundaries of his victory. And since Joshua had a map and he knew that God was able to do the unimaginable within the territory and within the victory and within the space that he had seen, he knew what he could ask God for. First of all, he knew that it was God's plan. I mean, he knew it and God knew it. That helps when you're praying God's plans. If you want to ever want a successful prayer, just ask Jesus for what he wants. You get it every time you'll get the thing that you asked for because it's what God wants. He knew that God would use Israel to display his fame and his glory. And he knew that he would use Israel to begin to push people out of the promised land, the kings, the Amorites, the false gods, the demon worshiping. He said, I'm going to rid the land of all of this. So he kind of already knew that it was God's plan. That helps. Number two, 
Joshua had a history of the impossible. Adam was not sure if he understood the practical implications of what he was asking for. Like, I kind of think that right now, most people, uh, if you're in high school, even my kids, they would understand that the earth is not the center of the universe. I think for Joshua, he's, he doesn't know any of this. So you know what he says? He says, uh, God, the thing, the, the great light in the sky that we call the sun, that shows up every day, uh, I just need that thing to stop so that I can do this thing down here. And God says, yes. I'm not sure if he understood what he was saying, but I love that kind of praying because you know what? You don't need to understand everything about your situation for God to intervene into it. You don't need to understand all the complexities that come into your circumstances for God to do something. I think part of the reason that Joshua could pray such a faith-filled prayer is he didn't probably realize the depth and the breadth of what he was asking for. I wonder if he knew what we knew about the solar system and the universe, whether he would have had the faith to ask for it, but he didn't know any of that. He said, I just need that big light to stop so that I can destroy everyone down here. Can you do that? He says, yes. I love that. Hey, I love that kind of foolish prayer where people say, I don't know everything that I need to know about this situation, but God, I know that you're a God of the impossible. You're the God of the unimaginable. You're the God that can do all things. So the next time somebody is sick in their body and no one has a diagnosis, do you know what? You don't need to understand the complexities of it. You just need to come to God and say, God, I don't know what this person has got, but in the name of Jesus, be healed right now. You don't need to understand it. When you've got impossible situations and you don't understand how they play out or how they're going to unfold before you, you don't need to think about all the details. In fact, it's probably better that you don't because the more information you have, the more you might step back in your faith. You just say, God, I just need the sun to stand still so I can defeat my enemy right now. And I wonder what enemy you have to defeat in your own life. I wonder what you would need the sun to stand still for in your own life. Don't be intimidated by your situation, your circumstances, or the giants in the land. Just come to the God of the impossible, the God of the unimaginable, the God with limitless power, capacity, and ability, the God of gods, the King of kings, the one that's above all, your mighty Savior, your Prince of Peace, the Holy Spirit, and say, God, we need your presence. We need your help. We need your authority in this situation. We need your dominion and you ask him and he says, I don't need to tell you everything to answer your prayer right now. I just know that I'm going to do it. Thirdly, he had a map. (laughs) He had a map. So he already knew that he was asking for victory in the boundaries and the territory that God had given to him. So whatever your boundary is, Whatever your territory is, whatever area of influence that God has assigned to you, if you ask God to move in the area that He sent you to, you gotta know He's gonna defend you. You gotta know He's gonna meet you in that place. He's gonna meet you right there in the impossible. And as you begin to cross over and step into that, you gotta remember that where God sends you, He defends you. 
where God sends you, He's going to show up. If God has asked you to do it, if He sent you there, if He's asked you to make a change in your workplace, if He's asked you to make a change in your business, if He's asked you to make a change in your university, if He sent you out to preach the gospel, to begin to touch lives in your uni campus, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You got to know if He's sending you, He's going to show up in that moment. Because God's not in the business of sending you out to watch you fail. He's sending you up with the knowledge that you're going to succeed because it brings Him fame and glory. God is interested in His fame and glory. Your prayer should be, God, use me to bring you all the glory that you can. And Joshua, Joshua went public with his faith in the sight of all Israel. He wasn't worried about protecting his reputation. He wasn't worried about praying a prayer that was too big for God to answer. He didn't worry about that. Don't pray faithless prayers for stuff that you've already seen. You don't even need faith for that. You don't need faith to be the kind of Christian that just says thank you for the things that keep showing up in your life. You don't need faith for that. You need faith for the impossible. You need faith for the miraculous. You need faith for the things that you've never seen. And I'm telling you, you begin to press into the miraculous, to press into the impossible. Man, I'm going to watch God show up in your life. Joshua didn't stop. When he had this prayer moment, (laughs) here's what Joshua did not do. They're fighting, big battle, a lot of people getting killed. And he says, everyone, hey, time in, time in, time in. Man, I really feel like we're not going to, we're going to run out of daylight before we can kill everyone. So tell you what, everyone, huddle, huddle in. Oh Lord, we beseech thee and ask thee that you would start. He, he didn't do that at all. Do you know why? He's in the middle of a battle. So you know what he's doing? He's fighting. And the worst thing that you could do when you're in the battle of your life is to stop and take a step back and to turn your back to the enemy and say, God, you do this. Do you understand that He wants to do it through you? Do you understand that He wants to do it in you? So what is Joshua doing? On one hand, he's fighting his way forwards. And at the same time, he's praying. He's fighting and he's praying and he's fighting and he's praying and he's fighting and he's praying. What are you fighting for and praying for at the same time? Don't quit, stop, give up. Walk away and think, you know what? I'm just going to leave this in the hands of God. Get involved in your own miracle. He wants to use you to do the miraculous because it brings fame and glory to His name. God killed more people with hailstones than Israel did with the sword because that's when the supernatural overtakes the natural. That's when the impossible runs ahead of you and does what you can only sit back and watch and give glory to God for. Can you imagine this for a minute? Have you seen Braveheart? Have you seen like what it looks like when everyone's fighting on the battlefield and there's people everywhere? I mean, most of the time, I don't even know who's on which side. And so they say that all the enemy got killed with the hailstones. Do you know what that must mean? Can you imagine the precision with which a hailstone would have to have to be guided from heaven to the people that are intentionally being taken out. They're fighting the fight of their life against five kingdoms outmatched, outnumbered. I don't know if you ever feel outmatched or outnumbered. 
in your situation or circumstance, but then the supernatural overshadows their experience. And suddenly, as they begin to move forward, sun stands still. Suddenly, little hailstones, taking all the bad guys out. Can you imagine? And if God is able to deliver a hailstone with such precision, do you not think that in your situation and circumstance, He knows precisely where you're at, precisely what you need, precisely what He needs to do in your life to bring victory into your situation and your circumstances. Why? Because where God sends you, He defends you. You need to get involved in your own miracle. Why? Because God blesses the work of your hands. So don't be lax. Don't take your hands off. Don't step back and say, no, that's that's it. I'm not doing it. God, you do it all. He says, get involved. Start to pray. Start to expect. Start to leverage the power of heaven. Watch the supernatural begin to overwhelm you and see the victory unfold before you. Can you imagine Israel? They're with their swords and they're running and they're like, the hailstones are going. They're like, I don't think we're really going to need to do anything today, boys, because the hailstones are taking all of them out. I wonder what you need taken out in your life right now. What battle you're facing? What needs to come to an end? What needs to be finished in your life tonight? It could be an addiction that's in your life that nobody knows about. You haven't told anyone because you are so ashamed and the guilt is destroying you and it's wrecking your faith. Worse than that, it's causing you to not enter into the presence of God where the good things happen because you're so ashamed. But if you think that, you don't understand the power of God. Your sins have been forgiven. Your punishment was taken on the cross. I wonder what you're fighting for today. I wonder where you need to begin to leverage the power of praise and prayer and see some victory in your life. And so here's what we're going to do. There's a little card that's on your... We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.